Hello, it's Technology Corner for the week of July 23rd, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour. That's because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. I had the opportunity recently to speak to the CEO of Phantom Fiber, Jeff Halloran. We talked about where some of the pervasive networking is going, and not perverse networking, although there's some of that too. We talked about pervasive networking, and what we mean by that is the presence of a network, or in some cases the internet, wherever you are. We already see these with Wi-Fi hotspots, and we're seeing it increasingly with wider applications of Wi-Fi technology. We're seeing it with cellular telephones that are bringing internet service within reach of probably about 90% of the U.S. population. These are people who live in larger larger and medium-sized cities. Largely, it has not yet met the needs of those who live in rural areas or very small towns. And that's where our conversation started. You know, in, in typical, just like uh, the difference when we went from 2G to 2.5G and 2.5G now to 3G, which is all that edge technology, and you got different countries, um, the, the, I think what's going to happen is you're always going to have the urban centers where now Wi-Fi zones, as opposed to just uh, you know, kind of uh, having a, being within a router, and Wi-Fi boosters and and um, whatnot are, are giving the let's call it the the, the coverage. The uh, you know a, a booster can cover now seven and ten miles and stuff like that. So covering a city can happen quickly. Um, the problem is you always. I think you're always going to have a fallback more on cellular technology, um, just simply because um, most of the Wi-Fi stuff. If you're going to use cellular technology, you still got to use voice over IP or something like that in a Wi-Fi zone. At least you'll have the um, PC coverage. But I, I still think it's going to take. Um, it will take a while, and then in some of the small towns, you got to wonder. You know, I mean, I guess it doesn't take much to cover it, but you know, there's still going to be coverage there. So having that continuity of coverage, I think, will always be um, like a bit of a trick. Places uh, like, I will say, hospitals are implementing yep. some things like this, so that uh, and, and that seems to be an ideal uh, situation for it. Doctors and nurses are able to see patients' charts wherever they are in the facility. Uh, they don't have to actually be in the patient's room. If something comes up, uh, the doctor can, can check something very quickly and, and provide orders from wherever he or she happens right. to be at that time. That would certainly raise all those some privacy and security issues. Uh, how do you resolve that? Well, I mean, I think the privacy and security can be can be very much placed in check. I mean, um, you know, whether you're on a terminal or whether you're over over um, Wi-Fi, um, you know, sniffing packets that are traveling at even at you know 802.11g at 54 megabits, you know, that's a that's a tall order to be sitting around. You know, so you can certainly put enough encryption and and whatnot on it that you can. I you know, I. I you know, as much as everyone will be slightly paranoid, hacking through um, 128-bit elliptic curve cryptography or 1024 RSA is is not trivial. And you know, you've got additional security over uh, using um, uh, wireless encryption protocols over these um, uh, over these Wi-Fi on these Wi-Fi hubs or these Wi-Fi zones. Um, so I think that um, is going to be. Um, you know, I, I think they'll beat the security thing. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue for anybody. Um, I mean, eventually, it's just, it's, I think it's more giving the consumer a comfort zone that, you know, to put it bluntly, if you're in for an AIDS test, you don't really want everybody to know, um, and making sure that that, you know, the integrity of that is, is uh, maintained. But I think it's certainly doable. Um, again, I think 
some of the difficult parts is, is a bit of the mobility and the Wi-Fi thing, though, right? Because uh, if you're running Wi-Fi, it takes a little bit longer to authenticate um, and get IP addresses and whatnot. So that's one of the things about, let's say, moving from floor to floor, you'll touch into a different Wi-Fi zone, and now you have to reestablish, and that handshake is very, very poor right now. You have to literally, your wireless um, connector in your PC or tablet or phone or whatever you're using has to disengage from one, look again for another Wi-Fi zone, go, oh, here's another one, the signal's stronger, end this connection, start that connection. And that's why I think traveling will still have to stick to cellular because, I mean, that's the secret to cellular is the handshake between the towers is just so millisecond fast that there's a, a, a nice handing off of a baton. So I think security will be there um, as long as the doctor is, you know, he pulls his tablet out or his PC or laptop or whatever and connects right there. But I think, uh, I think they'll be able to meet the security requirements. But I think it's a perfect solution for institutions like... Um, um, not only hospitals, but uh, you know a lot of other organizations. If you are carrying around a, you know, a tablet or a, a notebook PC, then you, you know you really got no problem. If you go to a standard website, you see the standard screen, everything is fine. But if you're carrying around one of these uh, smaller devices, something that'll actually fit in your pocket, there's kind of a challenge getting uh, getting the formatting right for these smaller devices. Uh, what's the future of that? How, how are things uh, going to work out there? I think that's some really creative stuff. I mean, I mean, that's a great question because, first of all, the form factor is different, and the uh, data collection methods are not as conducive as a. And bottom line, as a typewriter has been around for two hundred years, um, so people you know take typing classes and the whole bit. Whereas um, mobile devices, as you mentioned, um, whether it's the Palm-based stuff or pocket PC type stuff or whatever, they tend to use graffiti pads. They tend to use um, touch screens. Uh, you know, some of them have thumb boards. Everyone's got their favorites. So there, there hasn't been quite as much of a standard, and, and not to be facetious, but a PC pretty much is guaranteed to have a mouse and a keyboard. I mean, it's amazing you take that for granted, but it's not something we certainly take for granted at Phantom Fiber. Um, screen real estate is always at a premium. Um, you know, the ability to scroll and read it is always uh, somewhat difficult, so therefore navigation becomes a bit cumbersome, and data collection is always again, fairly difficult to uh, maneuver. Now, having said that, they've got some great technology out where they're using, I think it's, whether it's infrared or whatever, and you'll, you'll, you'll type and it'll watch the motions of your fingers typing. So as much as there's nothing really in front of you, you have, in essence, a virtual keyboard so that it's monitoring your fingers and saying, ah, had he moved and had his fingers been above a keyboard, he would have just pushed the letter E. Um, the other things that they're doing um, is they're now creating screens that are now on a film so you can pull them out kind of like vertically like a blind, you would, you know, like a Venetian blind you would pull down you know, maybe in your home. You'll now pull it across and that will now have you know, like a scroll, so it'll it'll extend your screen real estate, so now you can see, you know, a, a bit more information. Now the question is, is the resilience of that? What happens? You know, the you know the power on that. How, you know, how long is it going to last? What happens in cold weather? What happens in warm weather? Is there glare issues? How do I mount it so that if I'm scrolling it out with one hand, how do I type with the other? Um, but you know, it, it's certainly showing some amazing initiative on behalf of uh, you know the, um, the the device manufacturers out there who are really putting some some pretty creative thought into overcoming some of the obstacles that are facing mobile, such as like you say, data collection, screen real estate, um, and again, one thing that I think a lot of people ignore is power consumption, which is just getting you know 
remarkably better, but a laptop's probably the heaviest component in it is those uh, lithium batteries, and yet, you know, they'll last for a couple hours, and you just plug them in, but, uh, you know, something like a, a mobile device, you know, you really have that much on time with the backlighting and all of that. It can consume power pretty quickly, and next thing you know, you can't be doing your rounds and have to carry four or five uh, batteries to snap in and snap out because your, you know, your uh, trio keeps going blank on you, so there's few things I think they got to resolve, but I think they're they're uh, certainly on their way. Yeah, battery technology has come a long way in the last 20 years. And, and speaking of the last 20 years, if you look at gaming that has occurred on these machines, they often give you some clues about where an application, where applications themselves are going, and particularly where the operating system is going. Uh, you maybe get an idea where hardware is going, simply because they push right up against the limits of whatever the hardware and the software and the operating system can do. Are you seeing this kind of thing in, in mobile technology, too? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we're proud about at Phantom Fibers is is the whole group that was here came together, and it was the original six members who put together the the uh, solution that's at Royal Bank of Canada, and and we inherited a bunch of technology and just didn't like the way it was architected. So we said, look, you know, what are we doing? What's different here? Like, what you know, what can we fix? And we respected the fact that navigation and data collection is difficult. We respected the fact that screen real estate is 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 at a premium, and so is bandwidth. So we never abuse communication. We we minimize it as much as we can to ensure we get as much across. Um, you know, and having said that, we've watched the devices get better, more sophisticated, the ability to connect to the networks, the ability to handshake to the networks. But it, it's literally the gaming sector that we continually push. For example, phones tend to work in a, in a one-way communication or synchronous communication where we, we need to run an asynchronous so information can be flowing bi-directionally. Um, move some of the presentation controllers down. So my background is actually I'm uh, ex-Oracle Corporation and, and Oracle, We, you know, I was there when you know there was dumb terminals on the say, VT220s and 3270s and then this thing called the PC, as you mentioned, come out and how can I harness the power of that? And, and it was an architecture that was called the client-server architecture in the early 90s where a lot of organizations came out with GUI and terms like that, which is graphic user interfaces and, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had, you know, if, if you put in the wrong data, it beeped and it turned red. And by the way, if I skip a field, I don't have to go tab, 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 tab all the way back. I could just click on that field and use the mouse to enter the data. And, and that was kind of the invention of, you know, using the, the your your PC as a, as a data collection and, and a, you know, manipulation tool so that you could eliminate that dumb terminal. I'm finding, and to be honest, our architecture is really built on that, I guess maybe showing my age, that we're really built on a client-server architecture. We put the presentation controllers, error messaging, error handling, encryption, tunneling, session establishment, secure state management, the ability to trap a phone call when it's coming in. Because, you, you know, you're certainly waiting for your wife to call because she's, you know, eight and a half months pregnant. You don't want to be missing that call because, you, you know, you're in the middle of a poker game. You know, on, you know, using your mobile device. So it's the ability to trap that call, to have it pop up where we do, where it pops up in a little window saying, hey, by the way, it's your wife on the other line. Do you want to accept this call or decline this call? And you'll say, well, I'll take this call. right? And it's the ability to handle control back to the phone to let it do its primary function. These are the things that we get called from organizations such as Nokia and such as Palm and some of the Palm boards who are saying, you guys are really pushing the envelope. Like, how are you getting to do this? And you know, you, you you certainly hear a lot of abused phrases like bleeding edge and all of that, but it really is. I mean, SSL and all the tunneling and all the encryption and the ability to keep all of this memory resident in a phone that sometimes has no more than 80K of storage space or 70K. And, you know, whereas nowadays, you know, we just take, you know, one gigabyte of main memory and 80 gig hard drives is granted. And 
it's I think I think it's going to be the gaming sector, and, and I think, needless to say, the other big product that pushed the internet forward was let's call it live video streaming. And I think what uh, you know we all know what heading that kind of comes under, uh, especially for you know in the adult content area. And we're finding adult content is now moving to the phones. And again, same thing as the buffering, the caching, the being able to store, replay. Um, you know, managing it so you're not getting clipping of frames. Um, all those are the things that Phantom Fiber is building into its product today. So that whether it's movie trailers or whether it's adult content, again, Phantom Fiber just delivers wireless transactions. Those are the ones that we're finding are pushing the, the machines to the very edge. And, uh, you know, we're finding that the next generation resolves some of the things. So when we contact Palm and the OS guys over there, and we contact Nokia, and we contact um, Motorola, who we work closely with, or BlackBerry, who's just down the street from us, and all the people at RIM, we, it allows them, you, you'll see some of our ideas going, why would you do that? This, this, hey. And then you see in the next generation of phones, you know, some of those things where uh, we like to believe that, you know, we're actually contributing to uh, advancing these uh, products and remedying some of the situations that we today bump our head against on a regular basis. Now, you don't work directly with consumers. In other words, the consumer doesn't go out to the store and buy a fan of fiber. You're absolutely correct. So what would happen is, is again, if you're a... Uh, product like a Golden Palace or a Bet Chris and doing sports betting or casinos, whether you're GuardDev, and GuardDev is one of our clients, and they do security applications where, you know, uh, tap into security cameras, um, you know. But generally speaking, we're more like that Intel inside. Originally, we were going to go with the tagline, Phantom Fiber outside, but it, exactly that. You know, Phantom Fiber is middleware, and we need, we need data on the back end to deliver, and we need you know, consumers, or it could be, you know, um, more of a homogenous type handset where maybe it's truck drivers on the road and they're using Trio 650s or they're using pocket PCs or whatever, you know, or BlackBerry. So it could be a brokerage application where you know that you have 200 traders and all 200 are carrying Blackberries. But by the same token, it could also be a product like um, Golden Palace where, where, you know, their use of our product is they support over 800 phones running five different languages and five different currencies everywhere around the world on over 600 carriers. We take a level of abstraction away from the network carriers. We take a level of abstraction away from the the handsets so that we get a much more portable application and code base. But what we are delivering is the client's data, whatever that might be, whether it's brokerage, whether it's insurance, whether it's healthcare, and they don't give us the graphics, and we just use our software developer kits, our SDKs, to develop those screens, and then they tell us what kind of products they want it on, like whether it's a sole source like a BlackBerry, or no, we want it for a consumer use, so we need it to run on over a 1,000 phones. Sometimes people say, I don't want to be that connected. Is that a concern that uh, that you hear from time to time? We haven't. Our, probably the one, if we had one concern that's probably the most difficult for us that we deal with mostly, or the obstacle that we have to overcome is, um, one is they're a little intimidated. They just don't associate a phone with ability to do any other functionality other than communicating, like just voice communication. And, you know, SMS is just becoming a bit more obvious here when Europe and UK SMS is big, yet the phones and the carriers are just as advanced here. I get that too, is that, well, they're more advanced over there. No, they're really, really not. I mean, we deal with handsets around the world, and trust me, the U.S. handsets equate they're the same quality as the handsets in Germany, France, Switzerland, or London, like England. Um, and so are the carriers. The second thing, though, we get is people who have experienced mobile. And we ran an entire campaign that basically said, wireless, it doesn't have to suck. And everyone just, ah, I've used it, it sucks. Ah, I don't know. Ah, thanks anyway, pass. So unfortunately, a few of the earlier pioneers in the industry who did an admirable job, but Unfortunately, they, you know, it, it didn't come together as well as maybe one would have hoped. So now you have to, 
we're almost starting from a negative balance where we got to get back to ground zero so that we can say, look, you know, don't prejudge us. Trust me, there's, you know, it, it, you know, it works, it works fine. Um, but I haven't really found, though, the ones who are too, too concerned. You know, they kind of see it as more like, no, 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 this is kind of like the Internet. And uh, you're right, I can just shut off, this, uh, shut off this device or shut off this phone if I don't want to be connected or, you know, um, you know that kind of blocking. So, um, I'd like I say, it's mostly educating them that the device can do stuff and, uh, and, and also educating them, those who have tried it, that it, it's really, it's not, it doesn't have to be a bad experience. The key things are going to be video streaming and gaming will always push the technology because it just it's, it's advanced in speed and requirements are, are that over enterprises. Um, I think enterprises are still lagging a bit behind, so they're not quite early adopters. I think they'll be more in the mainstream. And uh, no, I think uh, you know just basically if everyone gave it another you know took another kick at the can, I think they'd be surprised at uh, you know the quality of mobile solutions that are out there. Jeff Halloran, the CEO of Phantom Fiber. The company develops wireless platform software. This is the stuff that allows customers to deliver high-performance applications across the various global communications networks. And this is pretty tricky because they have to be able to work with potentially thousands of different cellular telephones. Wide array of wireless devices. Uh, besides the cellular telephones, there are PDAs and Blackberries, all of the other devices that we carry around. And this interview points up a difference between regular broadcast and podcasting. When we broadcast the program, because of the commercials, the jingles, the news, the sports, all of the other things that are built into the schedule, when we did an interview such as the one with Jeff Halloran, we had to trim that down from 15 to 20 minutes all the way down to as little as two minutes and never more than about three minutes. Podcasting means we're able to run the entire interview. Is this good or bad? Well, I don't know. But if you run into a boring patch, you can fast forward through it, and it's your decision. Moving along to nerdly news. Microsoft has made it official, as if this is really big news. We've been hearing about this for a long time, that Microsoft is going to get into the iPod business. Uh, Well, they're not going to call it an iPod, of course, and they're not going to call it an M-Pod. What they're going to call it is Zoon. That's the moniker under which they're going to market both a player and, of course, the back-end store software. Uh, Think of Apple's iTunes store. Apple has the most to lose here. Apple has more than 50% of the market for portable music players. And, of course, their iTunes music store is the big dog in the marketplace. Microsoft has been shopping the idea for a while, and Microsoft isn't afraid to come into a market that's already developed. Take a look at word processors. When Microsoft put out Word, WordPerfect was the big dog. WordPerfect had well over 50% of the market. Where is WordPerfect today? Microsoft is nothing if not persistent. So we'll see where they go with that. Both good news and bad news from Advanced Micro Devices, the number two chip maker this week. AMD said that profits were up for the second quarter. Well, that's a good thing. However, sales were down. AMD is competing with Intel. They've been cutting prices. Uh, Intel cut prices uh, to answer back, and that's caused some problems for Intel. Intel reported the biggest profit drop in more than four years, in part because it was trying to match AMD's prices. So we'll see where the CPU makers go in the next few weeks, months, or years. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of July 23rd, 2006. I'm Bill Blitt. Make sure you check out the website, 
www.techbiter.com. You can also send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.